You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening, and let's check it out. I want to just kind of go over some things. If you can put Daniel chapter 2, verse 21 and 22 up on the screen, we're going to start reading from there in the Word. Uh, we read this last Wednesday. I just kind of want to reiterate some of this. And it says, and he changes the times and the seasons, talking about our God. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Next verse. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. You know what got that part at the end that says he knows what dwells in, in darkness? That means the, the darkness a lot of times is not always referring to uh, evil. It's referring to mysteries or secret things or things that we can't see that are dark to us that he can see. God sees everything. There's nothing dark to him. There's nothing that he doesn't know. There's nothing that he, that he doesn't see. There's nothing that he can't calculate. There's nothing that he has ever not known. Just think of that. God has never learned a new thing. God has never learned a new thing. You, God, you can't, God can't add wisdom to himself. He never, he's, he's never learned anything new. He never has learned any new forms of wisdom. He, he knows everything all at once. It always has. That's why he's God. That's why he's God. And I wouldn't want to serve a God that didn't. And that's why he is the only God, because he's the only one that does these things that, that you can't add any information to, that he calculates billions and billions and billions upon billions upon billions of information. He analyzes it, calculates it, and processes it all at one time, always has, knows everything, sees everything. There's not one mystery and he does that all at once, all the time, and has, has forever and will forever. That's why heaven is going to be so incredible because, wow, we're just going to be, const- we're going to be constantly learning. We're going to be constantly seeing different dimensions of our God. That's why the angels, when they sing, when they, when they sing or cry, holy, 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 they're not necessarily saying that to Jesus. They're saying it about Jesus, but they're speaking to each other. Holy means special, set apart. That's what holy means, special and set apart, perfect in all its ways. So they see a different level of special, perfect, and set apart characteristics of God constantly, and they have always been, since they were created by God, they have always been before the throne, and they'll always be before the throne, looking through their feathered wings. They're the, they're the sixth wing angels with wings on their feet, wings on their back, and wings that cover their face, and they look at each other and go, did you see that? Holy, holy, holy. They say it three times. And anything said in the Bible multiple times, is, is, it, it means it's, it's the holiest, holiest, holiest thing you could ever see. Three is the number of perfection. So they're saying, this is, this is holy, holier than holy, holier than holy, holy. That's why the Bible says Jesus is the king of kings because he is a, he is, when it says king of kings, like in the Old Testament, it talks about the inner court of of God where the Ark of the Covenant was and his presence was. That was called the holy of holies. Jesus is called the holy of holies, holy. That's why the Old Testament has nothing on the New Testament. It's... It's all a prophecy of what was to come. They saw the holy of holies, the high priest did, but we're going to see the holy of holy, holy, Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's who we deal with. That's why he says, 
He's the king of kings and lord of lords. He's saying that we are kings and priests and we are the other lords, the other rulers uh, that will rule with him and reign with him. We're the other kings and we're the other priests. But he is the he is above all of us as a he's the priest of priests, the lord of lords, the king of kings. All of that emphasis is incredible. And God is he doesn't just dispense wisdom. He is, he is all understanding, all knowledge, wrapped up into one all the time, forever and ever and ever. Amen. That's our Father. He calls us sons and daughters. Woo! Our Father. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father who out in heaven, hallowed reverenced, to be worshipped and honored is your name. He taught us to pray like that because we need to understand how incredible God is, how massive his understanding and knowledge is, how incredible his wisdom is, and how to live with his wisdom. It's, it grieves my heart that so many people here the words of God in America, in Roswell, even people in our own church, but do not heed the wisdom of the Lord our God. This, this awe-inspiring, all-knowing, all-present, all-creation, he, he's almighty, he's all-everything God. All-loving, all-caring. He doesn't have peace, he is peace. He's not kind, he is kindness. He's the essence of kindness. Oh, he's an incredible God. And when we finally come to the revelation, there's people in this room and online, God bless all those online, uh, that are gonna hear this, and some people are gonna say, oh, I've, I've gotta get closer. Some people are gonna stay in the same spot, and some people are gonna back away. There's gonna be responses to what is being spoken tonight in his word. There's, you, you will respond one way or another. And I, my hope and my desire and the, our prayers is that you respond by saying, Oh, Father, woo, hallowed be thy name. I, I reverence you. I walk in fear of the almighty, all-knowing, incredible God that you are. I can't even fathom how great you are, but I, I thank you that uh, in all your greatness and all your knowledge and all your understanding and all your power, you love me. Woo, someone's going to grab a hold of that. He's incredible. He's an incredible God. That's why I cling to him in all aspects of life. He wants all of us to. He wants every human being to. He wants to bless. He wants to give. He wants to pour out more and more. I was praying before we came out about his grace. It just said on me, his grace is his unmerited favor. We didn't earn anything. We don't deserve any of it. But he just gives it because he's a God of, of grace. He's a God that gives to those who don't deserve. He's the God that forgives that don't, uh, that don't deserve it. He's the God that loves those that don't even love him back. He's the God that loves his enemies. He's the God that wants to save everyone. He's incredible. He's incredible. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 through 31. He talks about some wisdom things in, in this chapter in 1 Corinthians, and he starts in verse 20. I'm going to read for a little bit here, so bear with me. Just listen, if you will, or read along. He says, so where is the wise philosopher who understands? Where is the expert scholar who comprehends? And where is the skilled debater of our time who could win a debate with God? Man, guys, I'm going to talk, I'm going to contrast wisdom and foolishness. If I get to it tonight, I'm going to contrast wisdom and foolishness. Guys, I know some highly educated fools. I mean, they have got every, they, the, all the alphabets at the end or beginning of their name. They've got every, they've got every diploma, every, they, they are full of knowledge. They're articulate. They're brilliant. They're genius. And I recognize the gifts and talents that they have. 
but they are fools. They are fools because they won't recognize this one true God and live by His wisdom. They want to live by the wisdom of this world. We talked about that God contrasts in His Word two forms of wisdom. Wisdom that comes from the earth. And He says that those who dispense the wisdom from the earth, man's wisdom, that He said man's wisdom and wisdom from below, from the earth, is all demonically inspired. All of it. Uh, if it disagrees with God's word, it's completely dem demonically inspired. And what's crazy is people who claim to know the great God and the Lord Jesus Christ their Savior still, still want to mix with this culture and repeat the doctrine, what the Bible calls doctrines of demons. Anything that is in contradiction to the word of God is foolishness. It's absolute foolishness, and it's, it's derived from demonic sources. It's, people are repeating what Satan and demons say in hell. We've got people all around the planet, all over social media, at every level, speaking the doctrine of demons to people and saying, you need to agree with me. You need to stand with me. This is how it's done, and this is how life should be. God doesn't want us to be fools. He wants us to be wise. You know, I was a loan officer for a period of time, and I met a guy. I took over his accounts, and he came back in to borrow some more money. And I looked at his profile, and he'd borrow the money for just a few months, and then he, and he, he went with our company because we could do it really quick. And so he'd borrow it for a few months and always pay it back. He paid it back within a couple months, always. And he was like clockwork. So I sat down with him. I was, it was my pleasure to meet him. So I sat down with him and began to talk to him. And I'm talking to him about his loan. And I'm going over the contracts and the, all of this stuff. And he, he just looked at me. And he said, um, I can't read. And he said, you're going to have to read these contracts to me. And nowhere in the notes did anybody write that. And so I just, I said, okay. It shocked me. I looked at this man's credit. I looked at all the contracts he'd signed before. I looked at how he paid back everything. This guy was incredible. He owned his own business. He was a mechanic, owned his own business. He was probably the best mechanic in Muskogee, Oklahoma, that they had in the whole town. Everybody loved him, spoke very highly of him. He was a man of integrity and honor. He was excellent at what he did, but he could not read. And I began to read the contract to him, and, and after I was done, you know, he said, okay, I'll sign it. And I said, I'm going to put in there that I read this to you because I never want it to be said that, that you signed something that you didn't understand, and I want you to put your initials on it. And he did. He said, that's, that's, that's cool. I'll do that. This guy had very little education and could not read. But I began to talk to him more after we did our business, and I talked to him about his business and how I, his reputation in the community, and he told me he loved Jesus. That's why he had such a great reputation. He had a successful business. He paid his bills. He had, a, he, had, he had perfect credit. He was a man of honor and integrity in the community, and he had no education, but he loved Jesus. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I dealt with lawyers. I dealt with professionals with all kinds of doctorates and degrees that never paid their bills, didn't do what was right, that filed, that didn't, that filed bankruptcy when there was a huge collapse in Oklahoma on everybody, didn't pay anything back, had no integrity and no honor. They were educated fools. This man with no education, not even the ability to read, honored God and followed God's wisdom plan, and he was successful. He, had, he was more successful than all them put together. He had more finances. They made, they made, I dealt with people that made millions that were broke. And he made hundreds of thousands, and he owned other properties in town. He, he owned his Business, his building, every business. He would borrow money and buy something uh, for his business, and then he would, he would make sure he profited from whatever he purchased and had it paid back, and now he owned it. 
And he was using, he was using such wisdom, using the bank's money until he could pay it back, but not having to, not having to put out money out of his pocket because his interest rate was so good that it was smart, it was just smart business on his behalf. And he had he had more finances than people that were making triple. Because, guys, you understand that people make a million, they could spend two million. The athletes we see all the time, they make $100 million in their, in their 10-year, 12-year NBA career, and they're broke. Mike Tyson made $100 million a year. He was the first athlete to ever make $100 million a year, and he did it multiple years in a row, and then I read later that he had $5,000 in the bank. Because if you make $100 million, but you spend $150 million, you're broke. Just like if you made $1,500 a month and you spent $2,000 a month, you're broke. And he lost, Mike lost everything. Houses, cars, jewelry. He lost it all. But this guy wasn't a fool. He was uneducated, but he walked in the wisdom of God and the integrity of God and was blessed in his life. (laughs) Hasn't God demonstrated that the wisdom of this world system is utter foolishness? For in his wisdom, God designed that all the world's wisdom would be insufficient to lead people to the discovery of himself. He took great delight in baffling the wisdom of the world by using the simplicity of of preaching. I fall under that category. So if you think, well, Pastor Troy's kind of simple-minded, that's, it's biblical. It's biblical. The simplicity of, of preaching, uh, the story of the cross in order to save those who believe it, For the Jews constantly demand to see miraculous signs, while those who are not Jews constantly cling to the world's wisdom. But we preach the crucified Messiah. The Jews stumble over him, and the rest of the world sees him as foolishness. For those who have been chosen to follow him, both Jews and Greeks, he is God's mighty power, God's true wisdom in our Messiah. For the foolish things of God have proven to be wiser than the human wisdom. Than human wisdom. Listen, all the wisdom of man, all combined of 20 billion people that have existed on the planet, with every eight, all 8 billion people that exist now, all of our wisdom together is like, a, is, like a, a, is like a drop in the ocean compared to the wisdom of God. It's like, a, it's like one drop in the ocean compared to the wisdom of God. And that's probably an understatement. He said, for the foolish things of God have proven to be wiser than human wisdom, and the feeble things of God have proven to be far more powerful than any human ability. You know, he's talking about here why he chose who he chose to preach. Why he chose Paul. Why he chose Peter. He chose fishermen and tax collectors and and, uh, uh, people that, you know, just people that no one else would have chosen. No one else but God would have chosen most of the people in this room. But I thank God for him that he chooses the foolish things of the world to confound. He to confound them. He confounds the wisdom of man. They can't figure out how we do it, why we do it, why it happens. Oh, church family. God continues to, to amaze me. Um, he continues to amaze me. So some of you might know because I know multiple organizations have tried to get the leisure in over on 2nd Street. Multiple organizations, even the city, everybody's pursued it. Um, multiple people have called the, 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 the man who owned it. But God, uh, through, I believe, supernatural means, uh, gave the information to one of the guys on our staff. He told it to me. Uh, uh, I went out and looked at it. Uh, it was Ralph who told it to me. Pastor Sean and I went and looked at it. I called the man. Then a friend of ours of the church uh, found out who owned it, did a title search on it, found out who owned it, and I contacted the man who owned that building. That man, uh, we had some several conversations. I, I've never been vetted. I've never been asked the questions he asked me. He, he grilled me. He grilled me in this conversation, didn't he? He did. Ask probably the best questions of anybody I've ever been, I've ever been uh, uh, vetted by. 
He asked some tremendous questions. Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do this? Can you do that? Can, what, do you, what is your vision? What is this? What is that? Can you pull that off? Da, 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 da. I mean, he just, and we were, we were on the phone for some time, and he was just grilling me. And at the end of the conversation, he said, you know what? That property's 60% yours, let's, let's see, or 75% yours. Let's see if we can get to the other 25%. So over a source of, of several weeks and conversations with him, uh, this week, he, he quick claimed deed that property to us for zero dollars. We did not buy it. He gave it to us. But because God does exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or dream, and that he, you know, pours out, you know, when you're generous, he said, I'll be generous back to you. That, that's not everything he gave us, even though that's tremendous. It's 104 rooms. Uh, 34 of them are completely refurbished, completely. They've been vandalized by uh, the street community, but uh, they are completely refurbished. Uh, there's also a 20,000-square-foot building attached to the 104 rooms. Uh, there's property. There's also a, another building on the property that's a value that for all the people that are part of uh, the motorcycle ministry. Pastor Sean's trying to, he's trying to confess it over me that that's the, new, uh, that's the new motorcycle club, man. He wants to move the gang down to the highway, but don't clap, don't clap for him. Don't clap for me. Don't clap for him. Don't clap for him. Um, I haven't approved that yet, but so uh, he's still working me. He's got to buy me about five more lunches before I do anything, but uh, before I even think about it. So that's just a start. But uh, and not only that, but uh, this gentleman gave us three trailers, um, three, uh, two gooseneck trailers. Uh, one of them was a 40-foot trailer with everything you could think of, a boxed-in trailer, another 18-foot trailer. He also gave us a couple of, uh, of uh, buildings that are uh, Quonset Hut-type buildings that we're going to probably plant a garden in one of them. And anyway, uh, he also uh, gave us, uh, we went through some of the building uh, tools that you, I mean, table saws, drills. I mean, I can't tell you all the uh, 80, 100 boxes of tile that we'll use to refurbish the other 70 rooms. Uh, I mean, I, I just can't, I, I, I can't do it. Am I, have I listed everything? The, oh, yeah, he also gave us a 2020 Toyota Tacoma 4x4 to pull the goosenecks. Uh, with, uh, he gave us, uh, um, it was just humbling, it was humbling, and we haven't even gone through everything, there's so much stuff that we haven't even gone through, and we've moved most of that over to, uh, almost all the, anything of value over to the, uh, over to our warehouse over here across the street that used to, used to be the church, now it's the warehouse, uh, but, um, Anyway, uh, we're, we're in the process of, I've uh, got a whole team of people, we're working on putting that thing together, fixing the plumbing and fix, there's, a, there's some issues with the building that we got to address, security, plumbing, we're, we're getting after security right now, and so we'll get all that done, but church family, uh, God has blessed us, and the, the Dream Center New Mexico was birthed by faith, uh, last year we birthed it by faith and started handing out blankets. And, uh, you know, guys, for some people, like Miss Stella, and some people have been here 40 years sowing and believing for things like this to happen, you know, and, and I've been here, my family has ministered here for almost 29 years, uh, between my brother and I, he, he's here seven, I'm, I'm here 22, so uh, 29 years, and, and we'll uh, start 30 years next, next year, 2024, and so many of you have come and believed and stood with us for years and years and years, and God's opened a huge door for us. And uh, Dream Center New Mexico will be birthed and will be built, and uh, it's going to happen. So that's for our father. He's incredible. Let's let's thank him. He's incredible. Our God is incredible. Our Father's incredible. Father. This is for you, thank you. Thank you, Father. This is for you, yes. This is for you. Thank you for your goodness, your grace upon grace that you pour out upon us. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You know, 
I'm going to tell you a story about how God works things out and how He calculates and analyzes that this man who gave us this building lived in, the, in Tehran, Iran um, with another 10-year-old kid that lived there. We're almost the same age. It was me. And we lived in the same area of town. And we are in the nation at the same time. The difference was I left at 11 on an airplane back to America. He left at 17 running from, running from the takeover of his country by radicals who still run Iran. And he had to escape through the mountains into Turkey and became a refugee. Then eventually moved to France and became a French citizen. Then eventually moved to America and became an American citizen. Became a major in our Army Reserves and uh, has lived a very successful life financially here in America. And I think it's amazing that two kids that lived close to each other, probably within blocks of each other in this massive city of Toronto. Toronto's a massive, millions of people uh, in Toronto. This massive city around. We both are there at the same time for almost two years of our lives. That through two different directions, we come around. Do you know how many billions of things had to be calculated? That we come around and we meet in Roswell, New Mexico, and I'm pastoring a church here, and he gives us a facility to start an amazing ministry. God is an amazing God. God is an amazing God. And he's, he's already promised me he's going to come visit our church, and we're going to host him, and we're going to bless him, and uh, I've told him already that when we finished the cafeteria, uh, that Pastor Sean came up with this, this great idea. We wanted to dedicate something to him. So we're going to dedicate uh, the cafeteria to him and, and uh, bless, his, bless his legacy. Uh, and guys, we're going to build an incredible ministry there. Uh, we're going to start with housing men coming out of prison, transitional living. Then we're going to, once we get that down pat, we'll move women over there. And then once we get that down pat, eventually we'll, 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 we'll control certain areas of that with fencing and security. We'll bring single moms uh, over there uh, that will house them. And then eventually I want to do something for our veterans that uh, need, to, need to come off the street, someplace to live. And, and so we'll start off the way God says to. We'll start off by getting those first 34 that are already refurbished, uh, repair the, the damage that's been done through vandalism. And we'll get the plumbing and everything going there. And then we'll start with probably 10 men and then grow that ministry. And then, start, then we'll start, when we get to a certain point, we'll, we'll, we'll bring women in. But I'm going to ask uh, so many members of our church, uh, you know, God is amazing that we have been saving money for something. And I've, I've been, even on my 40-day walk, I said, God, we have some finances. What are we doing with it? We don't have it to sit on it. We don't have it to save. We're not invest. We're investing in your kingdom and people that we don't. We don't buy. It. We don't invest in that kind of stuff. You know, we're, 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 this is your kingdom money and kingdom stuff, and we need to do something. And he kept telling me, "Wait, wait, wait," and I'm like, "I don't want to wait. Let's do something." And and then, then I tried to buy a building down the street from us, and they wanted way too much money for it. And God said, "Don't offer them that." You offer them this. If they don't take it, walk away. Because he knew they wouldn't take it. And we would walk away. That was going to be the dream center. Then someone else showed me another property that I saw all the possibilities. Like, this could be it. And then I prayed about it. Instantly he said, no, no, no on that. that. I shut that door. I'm shutting this door. He said, wait. I said, when? He said, wait on me. Wait. And then here comes this. Here comes this. You know, when God closes doors in your life, don't lament. Don't go, oh, God, can't believe you closed that door. Don't do that to him. He's a God that can take two 10-year-olds living in the capital city of another country and bring them around the world to come to Roswell to do something amazing for this community and for people in New Mexico. Guys, God, when he closes one door, he is setting you up. He's not setting you up to hurt you like Satan does and people do. He's setting you up to bless you. So don't lament closed doors. Just begin to think, Father, I thank you that you're the God of all wisdom, all knowledge and understanding. And if you close that door in my life, God, then so be it. Because I know you, you're a loving Father and you want to bless me. If, if evil people, he says in Matthew, if evil men can give good gifts to their children, how much more? Everybody say much more. How much more does the, our Father in heaven want to give good gifts to his children and pour out his spirit upon us and pour out his blessings upon us?
how much more, how much better God is. So when one door closes, just looking for the other door and know it's going to be better. If two doors closes, oh, he's setting you up for something really good. If three doors close, oh, my goodness, it must be really good. So don't lament closed doors. Just keep operating in the wisdom of God. Watch what he does and how he operates. Listen, go with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to end with this, this story. So what is happening in Matthew 7 is God, God Jesus Christ, the Lord, God in the flesh, the living, word, the living word, the living expression of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, preaches the greatest sermon ever in the history of the world. He preaches this unbelievable sermon in Matthew chapter 7. Let me get there. So he preaches this sermon, and then he tells this story. And so... I want you to understand. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. He preaches this great sermon, and then he tells a story. Jesus always used common things that we would all understand and understand it forever. We would all this this story he tells. There's there's not ever in the history of humankind, human uh, beings, that has happened or will ever happen that will not understand this story. That will not understand this story. From the time he told it, and before, and beyond. People understand. So he preached this tremendous sermon, and now he's, now he's teaching people with common, use common things to teach things. And so he says in Matthew uh, chapter 7, starting in verse 24, he says, Everyone who hears my teaching and applies it to his life can be compared to a wise man. Everybody say wise man. We've heard this story. Many of you have heard it, read it. But he said, everyone who hears my teaching and applies it. That's going to be huge to this story. He says, applies it to his life can be compared to a wise man who built his house on an unshakable foundation. Verse 25, when the rains fell and the flood came, with fierce winds beating upon his house, it stood firm because of its strong foundation. But... He says in verse 26, everyone who hears my teaching and does not apply it to his life can can be compared to a foolish man who built his house on sand. When it rained and rained and the flood came, with wind and waves beating upon his house, it collapsed and was swept away. Now, there's several things that these men have in common. I've ministered this before, and I, I thought it was really appropriate today. Because when you're talking about wisdom, you've got to talk about when the living expression of God is teaching the living word. You can't get a better preacher. I wonder if these people who heard and didn't apply it said, I'm not getting fed in that church. I'm not getting fed by Jesus. He's not a good enough preacher for me. Jesus is talking to people that have some things in common. One, they both have a dream to build a life, to build a family, to build a house, to build a society, to build a church. You could, all of those things will apply to their life. And they both have a dream. Guess what else they have in common? They both heard from the best preacher that could ever preach from the, like I said, the living expression, the Lord Jesus Christ in the best church you could ever have with the best pastor and the best people and the best message and understanding of the word of God, they both heard. So you know, that always makes me feel good. How's that make me feel good? Because I know if they won't listen to Jesus, I shouldn't feel bad when they don't listen to me. These people both heard from the best preacher in the world. The world will ever see and ever know Jesus. So they both had a dream to build. They both heard from the best preacher the words, and both men faced a storm. They have those three things in common. Best preacher, they all want to build a life. They all have a dream to build something. They all do, and they all face a storm. Listen, guys, we all know you don't have to go looking for storms. If you're just living life, storms are coming, right? 
If you're just living life, storm, if you're just living life, you don't have to go find a storm. I feel sorry for people who look for storms because not only are they going to find a storm looking for one, uh, others are going to come they're not looking for. You just live, you're just born in a, you're just born in a human body, you're going to face storms. Jesus said it in John 16, 33, he said, listen, in this life, there will be trouble, trial, issues, storms. Right? He said it, it's coming, but he said, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Listen, when we're... The ones that overcome the world and can be of good cheer are the ones that hear and apply God's wisdom. Man, it, it just it bothers me so much that we have people that sit around our country in churches and you, they hear Christian music. They they got they got their, they can quote scripture. They sit in churches that the preacher's preaching and preaching the word. They have Bibles and Bible apps and they have study guides and they have their daily devotional popping up on their phone and they have all this stuff. They still don't know how to have a happy marriage. They have all this stuff and still don't know how to raise their children right. They have all this stuff and still can't manage money. They have all this stuff and their priorities to reach the lost and the hurting and to expand the kingdom of God, that's not even, that's not even on the top 10 of their list. It grieves me. I can't imagine how much it grieves our Father that people here and here and here and still can't figure it out. I don't understand young people. I've said it a thousand times to our young people for gen now three generations in this church. Do not be unequally yoked. Just in case you haven't heard me. Do not be unequally yoked. What does that mean? You don't date somebody that is not a Christian at the level, even at the level you are. If you're a woman, your husband should be at a higher level. You should not be the spiritual leader in any relationship if you're a woman. Unless it's your children. Your husband should be the spiritual leader. Do not, if you're single, do not be unequally yoked. If you're married, it's simple. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. It works. It's the wisdom of Almighty God. Raise your children with the rod of correction and with love in your hands. He tells you how to train up your child. He tells you how to, how to grow. How to, how, he tells us what to do. And it doesn't mean our children will always listen, but we'll do it. They, it won't be because we didn't do what was right. Because we know that there is some differences between these two men too. There's some great differences. And the greatest difference is one heard and applied the wisdom of God. One heard and didn't. That's the greatest difference. One was wise and followed the wisdom of God. One was unwise and followed the wisdom of the world because you're choosing every time whether you choose the wisdom of God or the wisdom of the world. I know people in, in relationships and marriages that one of them's not a Christian, and they, they, so they say they justify not acting like a Christian back. You're not going to win her or him back if you don't act like a Christian and do the things that God says to do. Pray like there's no tomorrow. Love like there's no tomorrow. Take a stand like there's no tomorrow. But you got to do it like the way God says to do it, and then you'll get God's results. But if you follow the wisdom of the world and your flesh and your emotions, you're not going to get those results. I've tried the flesh and the emotions. I've tried the counsel of the world. It did not work in my marriage and it will not work in yours. I've tried to build a life without God and it did not work. Every time a storm came, my house collapsed. One of the things I said they have in common is they both faced a storm. But what they don't have in common is one person's house stood, the other one's fell. Because they were built on two different foundations. Let me end with this tonight. Oh man, I want you to soak this in. I want you to really meditate on this. Because you need to ask yourself this great question that every time you read that passage, you've got to ask yourself, 
How am I building my life? A foundation is where you start. When you build something, you got to first put in the foundation. I was building something in my house. They put the foundation in wrong. Guess what they had to do? They had to tear the whole foundation out and start again. Why? Because I know the principles of God. If you don't start with a good foundation, you're not going to end up with a good building. So let me ask you this question. How do you start every relationship? Do you start with the word? Do you start with what Jesus says? How do you start every, how do you handle your finances? Do you start with the word? Are you building a foundation in relationships, finances, children, life, jobs, life, just you name, whatever, whatever aspect of life, friendship, whatever you're doing, are you starting? Where are you starting at? Because if you're not starting with the word, then you're starting with sinking sand. And that applies to me, you, anybody. There's no one. God's not a respecter of persons. So when you face an issue, do you start with the word of God? When you face a problem, where do you start? Where's your, where do you start building your foundation of solving that problem? Where do you start? God's, Jesus told this parable because he knew everybody knows you start with the foundation. Where are you starting? Where? Because I, I know, this is what Jesus is saying. If you don't start with his word, his wisdom that exceeds all the wisdom of all man's wisdom is foolishness compared to foolishness, then you're starting on sinking sand. And those same storms are going to hit both lives, but one will stand stronger than ever. And one will collapse. What is the foundation of your life built on? Where do you turn? Do you turn to man's philosophy? The culture of this world? Do you turn to another religion and, you know, you know, read all these other religious books and try to apply all these principles of warfare or whatever they, they apply of humanity, how I love humanity, how I love the earth? I mean, what, what, where's your foundation? Where, where are you, where's your starting point? If it's not God, then it's just a matter of time. Let me tell you something. When you build on rock, you build on the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ, or you build on the sand, the thinking of this world, when you build on sand, it's easy. It costs less money. It's easier to do it. It takes less time. It takes less effort. You know, you all have heard this expression. I've heard this so many times. It's, it's, it's the wisdom of God. It's right from God's. Somebody put it in other terms, but this is God's wisdom. Most people want to play now and pay later. So people who build on sinking sand, they want to play around in relationships. They want to play around with finance. They want to play around in life. And then the storm comes and they pay. People who want to build on the foundation of God's wisdom, they pay now so they can play later. They pay now so they can enjoy life later. They pay now. And storms don't destroy them. They rock them. They, man, storms will blow through my house and, you know, windows shutter from the thunder and the storm comes. But after that storm is over, my house is standing strong. Better, proven. Guys, you know what? God will allow storms. He, he's telling us this, that storms are coming. He tells us over and over again. But where will you stand when the storm comes? It all depends on where your starting point is. I want to encourage you in every relationship and everything in life. The do's and the don'ts, the rights and the wrongs, every decision you make, start with what the Word of God says. What does the Bible say? What is the all-knowing, all-powerful, almighty God? What does he say? Because that is what we want to do. That's what we want to do. That's where we want to be. Yeah, you can thank God for his wisdom. 
Listen, every eye closed in the room, uh, online, if you need to remove distractions, you can close your eyes too if you don't. If you're by yourself, you're in a place you don't have distractions, just, you know, you can keep your eyes open. It's just closing our eyes is not a religious thing. It's just really a, it's a human thing that we want to just kind of focus. I want you to focus. I ask you to focus. What is your life built on? Every human being has dreams. I love those commercials they used to do with little kids saying, I never, it was never my dream to grow up and be a drug addict. It was never my dream to grow up and be an alcoholic. And then those commercials would talk about choices. Choices. This is about choices. If Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life, your whole life is built on human philosophy and human wisdom that is earthly and demonic. It will not lead to anything but a sinking sand life. Broken relationships, no amount of money, fame, no, no amount of education will solve the, the human problem you have, the deep spiritual problem you have, that you're lost. Your life is not built on anything that will stand up to pressure or time or storms. And what's sad is so many people in this room and, and the sound of my voice and those listening will, man, you've had, you've had your life collapse before. And sadly, you rebuilt. You rebuilt right on that same sand. And you think, man, I'll just, I'll just get married again. I'll just rebuild again. I'll just do this again. And you're, just, you're like those people in Florida and in those flood areas along the Mississippi that you keep rebuilding and it just keeps destroying your home. The storms keep destroying. You can't build in the same place in the same way on the same uh, uh, foundation and not expect to get the same results. Have you built enough on sand or away from the Lord Jesus Christ, away from God's love and grace and mercy, away from His goodness, His, His ability to save you and set you free from the slavery of sin and the penalty of sin, eternal death? When Jesus is Lord, He'll begin to teach you because He'll give you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will begin to teach you and guide you into truth and teach you how to build your life on the firm foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Following the wisdom of God. If you're here and you've, you've never really, that's not your foundation and you know it. Yeah, you've heard it. Yeah, you've read your Bible. But, but God's not first. Foundations are first. Who's first in your life? Is it you? Is it another person you idolize? It is, is it money? Is it your job? Is it your title? Is it your insecurities? Is first your depression or your despair that you live off of that negative, negative emotions and drama all the time? Is partying, drugs, alcohol? What's first? Is it your sexuality? Is that first? A sinking sand. If today, if tonight, you say, God, God, you're, I choose tonight to follow wisdom and make you first. Make you first in every aspect of my life. And I know you'll teach me how that works and how to process that and to take me on this great journey of learning that. But I know it starts with my surrender to you. That I choose to surrender my life and accept Jesus as the Lord. I choose to serve you and follow you, not this world and not Satan and not demonic thinking. I choose you. If you've never done that and, you, and you're doing that right now, you're thinking, yeah, that's exactly what I need. I need God. And you want to pray, we want to pray with you. Maybe you've run away or maybe you've been like this, this other man. You heard the word. 
you've heard the word, you've heard Jesus' words, and you've agreed, and you know, you hung around, and but you know in your heart of hearts, you've never applied it. You've never said, man, I Jesus is first. There's always something else in the way. And you know it. Or maybe you've just you he was first and you you made another decision. You said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to the world, I'm gonna choose something else. And you know that's wrong, and you know you've getting the results of that, and you want to come home. Any of those, we want to pray with you right now and get it right. So if that's you, online when I count to three, just message us on that message board. I'm praying for the first time. Or I'm coming home and placing my hands back in the Almighty God. Standing back on the foundation that is firm. In this room, on the count of three, when they send a message, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, I'm praying for the first time or the next time. I'm going to get this right with God. Then after you raise your hand, you can put it down quickly. And after that, right where you're seated, right where you're all online, we're going to pray together, all of us. So if that's you, here we go. You want to get right with God before you leave here. One, two, three. Raise your hand in this room. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, so many. Thank you all over this room. God bless you. I know there's a bunch online too. So let's all pray together with those who raised your hand. And you know what? We can lead you in a prayer and we can all pray with you. But it comes down to the sincerity of your heart and the choice you're making. So this really is between you and God right now. But I know if you'll choose him first, he'll help you just like he helps all of us. So let's pray this together. God, I believe you are God and God alone. And you love me and sent Jesus to die for my sins. You raised him from the dead, and he's alive. I believe it. And I believe that Jesus is the only way to you, to heaven, to right living in this life. So I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord, Jesus Christ, of my life. I surrender my life to you the way you surrendered your life to me, for me. Thank you for receiving me into your kingdom and giving me the Holy Spirit to teach me how to really live by serving you, following your wisdom, building my life on a firm foundation of your word and your truth, your way, and living your life on earth until I see you in heaven. Thank you for saving my life tonight. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate the goodness of God. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.